Our psalm reading today comes from Psalm 61. O God, listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety, for you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. For you have heard my vows, O God. You have given me an inheritance reserved for those who fear your name. Add many years to the life of the king. May his years span the generations. May he reign under God's protection forever. May your unfailing love and faithfulness watch over him. Then I will sing praises to your name forever as I fulfill my vows each day. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, everyone. Um, I have with me my dear friend and the lead pastor of our whole organization, Aaron McCarter. You saw him last week on our video, and I've been so excited to get to take a few minutes to talk. Um, we're going to talk about Psalm 61 that Aaron just, Aaron Hall, huh, just read to you. And um, so we're going to talk about Psalm 61, um, and here's why. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, months ago, we were, I was pitching this idea to you that I wanted to do these Psalms conversations mm -hmm. and you were up for it, which I was, I think you're the first person I asked and that gave me confidence to ask other people. Um, but you were up for it and I think the next day you text me and you're like, I'm in, but like, can we talk about Psalm 61? And so I'm wondering what it was about Psalm 61 that yeah. woke you up or lit you on fire or whatever it is that, that made you want to talk about it. Um, yeah, I think maybe it was a couple of things. Um, maybe not... A coincidental that Psalm 61 was just my daily reading for the next yeah. the next morning. And so there's a good chance that whatever Psalm I read next, knowing was that we were going one. to do one of these was going to be the one. Um, and, and actually that's what I thought maybe was the case. But then this Psalm, as I've moved on to other Psalms each morning, has stuck with me and has become weirdly a part of my daily routine, which maybe we'll get to. Um, but that morning, I, I kind of Surely you don't ever do this, Lindsay, but I was kind of reading slash skimming, not fully engaged, supposed to read reading, and got through the, it's only eight verses, but got through this um, psalm, and then it was the last verse that really struck me and stood out. Um, it says this, Then I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. And um, that's, that's what woke me up because from, it's this picture of a godly person who has said, this is what I will do every day. This is what my life will be. This is, this, are the, this is how it's going to go. I will praise the Lord and I will fulfill my vows. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I did yesterday. That's what I'm going to do today. It's what I'm going to do tomorrow. And that's what stood out to me, this simple sort of nutshell of uh, just a, of somebody who's just walking with the Lord. And, um, and as I read it, I thought, that's, that's who I want to be. That's mm -hmm. where I want to be. And it, this picture of this very non-reactive, stable, I am living the life that my values dictate and my values dictate that I worship God and keep, keep my vows. Um, and that's what stuck with me. And that's actually the prayer I've been praying every day since, just at, throughout the day. You know, we've talked about breath prayers along yep. the way, these little things that we're going to go to again. This has become a breath prayer throughout the day. I'm going, today I'm going to worship Jesus. I'm going to keep my vows. I'm going to be a man 
of integrity to to myself, to my own to my own values and what I how I want to live my life. So that's how. Yeah, I feel like um, <clears throat> when I read it, I thought something similar, and then I feel like I immediately went to the vows that I have made, like what are my vows before the Lord? And then, especially in such a crazy time, I feel like I've been sitting in those vows thinking that there are loads of ways in my life that I'm not showing up as the person I wanna be, where I'm not keeping yeah. my vows, which is why the other seven verses exist also. Wow. But um, but it's that pattern of, of um, it makes me think of, of Paul when he says, I, you know, I don't do what I want to do. I uh -huh. do what I don't want to do. And so um, I'm wondering if you can speak into something like that. And if you will also help me understand how sausage McMuffin, egg McMuffins taught you about this pattern. I have a feeling you might want to discuss that. Um, okay. Well, okay. When, when I got to verse eight and that got my attention, I then went back through verse by, fir by verse to ask the question, how did, how did he get there? Because he is, he is sort of living this reality that I want to be my reality. Maybe the previous verses will give us some idea <laughs> of, of how he actually landed in that place. And with that set of lenses, I went back and read the first couple of verses, which I'll read to you now, and they are entirely different than verse. They are the polar opposite <laughs> of what verse eight says. Verse eight, calm, steady, stable, consistent, faithful, Left foot, right foot, verses one and two is sheer panic. So um, they say this, uh, hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Hmm. And um, so that's someone who is desperate, panic, losing it out of options, desolate, dark, lowly place, drowning, mm -hmm. looking for high ground, entirely different than, than verse eight. And this really covers the gamut. And, um, you know, it's uh, side note, actually, um, there's David Belosh has an album called Labyrinth. Uh-huh. I don't, do you, I haven't heard it. So there's an album called Labyrinth. It's really great. We'll put it David in the Belosh. notes. Yes. Put it in the Chat. notes. And it's literally just go, it's just song after song, singing scripture, singing scripture. And these first two verses is one of the songs. And I, mm. I so I've got like history with this yeah. song because <laughs> I was having a rough year, year and a half maybe. And for that entire stretch, all I did was listen to this album. Like every morning I'd wake up, it would start and it would be on repeat literally all day long oh, for a year and yeah. a half. And so these, because I was desperate, because I was in sort of this low place and hearing those words sung over me again and again mm -hmm. and again became such an anchor. And so I was reminded of all of, all of that. And verses one and two, I, I think are giving us the most obvious instructions which is when you're desperate, you should run to Jesus. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the, we don't need to be told, I think this is the most intuitive thing ever. People mm -hmm. who don't believe that they believe in God cry out to God yeah. <laughs> when they get desperate enough and yeah. low enough. Um, and that's, that's the obvious part. And then in the next verse, he says, you've been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe, which is saying, I ran to you and it worked. Mm -hmm. I, I came to you for shelter and refuge and I found shelter and refuge. Um, but then verse four, he says, I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Um, and that, that's the point where he, I think he's realizing I've, I was desperate. I ran to Jesus for shelter. 
He let me in. That's all, which I think it says something about our hearts when we go running to God for help in desperation and we're shocked when he opens the door. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, be darn, he showed me mercy. <laughs> Again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but but he's having this realization that as reading while I read, I was like, man, have I been there again and again? We're going. I want to I want to stay here forever. Mm-hmm. I want to take refuge in the shelter of your wings, and the the way <laughs> the way I imagine this was someone you know maybe there's there's a war outside or something. Bullets are flying, and they find a shelter, and they come diving into the open door, and they barrel roll, and the door slams behind them, and they oh thank you for letting me in. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they start looking around and go, hey, this isn't like just a, this isn't just like a fallout shelter for <laughs> down and outers. This is, this is a home. Yeah. And then looking around and going, hey, this is, this is my home. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so I, this was the picture, silly, but this is what I pictured is this guy confused walking through this house going, my name is on the linens and like. Mm. All my all my favorite foods in the fridge and my favorite coffee's brewing and like and then wondering why don't I just stay here? Like why? Yeah, like this is where I'm meant to be. Exactly. And like why why do I come here, you know, diving through the door of barrel roll, desperation, panic moments? Why in the world would I not just stay here? Mm. And man, you know this, know, knowing better and doing better <laughs> are entirely different things. And we just don't, we don't learn our lessons, you yeah. know? And that's a lesson I've learned, but not applied again and again and again, which did remind me of a sausage egg McMuffin. <laughs> I love McDonald's sausage eggs and egg McMuffins probably too much. And every, for, the, for the hate that I give McDonald's, we're, we're, we're giving them some credit now. Well, <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> because, so I get, I get one of these on a fairly regular basis and I don't want to exaggerate and say every time. It feels like every time I get one of these Egg McMuffins, the sausage has something entirely inedible, like not fit for human consumption is inside the sausage. And I don't, it's like, is that bone? Is it plastic? Is that like, what? what is this thing? And like, not every time, but like every time uh, this happens. What stands out to me about that is not that that happens. It's maybe not even that surprising. Um, mm-hmm. What's surprising is that I keep going back to McDonald's <laughs> and ordering Egg McMuffins. The same thing. Like, I'm not, and I was actually, this gets worse, I was telling a, a friend about that weird thing, you know, and, and he was like, well, one time I went to Taco Bell, and who doesn't have a story that doesn't start with one time <laughs> I went to Taco Bell? It's like, I've been food poisoned by Taco Bell. That does I not put me. That. Yes. Yeah, I went in the hospital. Yes. Does not put me in an elite club at all. No. It's like everybody, like, yeah. get in line. But anyway, this guy, I was like, here we go. He's talking about Taco Bell. He says, I went to Taco Bell, and I, something strange. I opened up my burrito, and he showed me a picture of this. I know it to be, to be real. He opened up his burrito, and there was a retainer, like a piece of, <laughs> like, not a tiny little piece of a retainer. Like, maybe that's a retainer. It was like a, it was a, it was a retainer. <laughs> Like that is clearly From someone's mouth into the someone's. Ma- how did that? What's the backstory there? Oh, I don't want to know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's remarkable about that story is not that there's a retainer in a burrito at Taco Bell. That's not even all that surprising. <laughs> what's remarkable is that the guy still goes to Taco Bell. Oh yeah. He goes to Taco Bell. <laughs> you know, and 
And that's that's the kind of things my mind went to is I think mm-hmm. about this person who's realizing, man, why why don't I just stay here? And it's like, well, why don't I? Why is why doesn't knowing better equate? to doing better. Mm-hmm. And I think David in verse four and I along with him is sort of having this realization. I just want so much to be the person who learns from this and recognizes this is home. I don't have to just run to Jesus in my panicked, desperate, nowhere else to turn moments. Mm-hmm. I can walk with Jesus every single day, hour by hour. Um, and, and why don't I? Because I, mean, I certainly know better. Right, that doesn't right. equate to me doing better. Right. Yeah. I think um, that makes me think of just that pattern. It's like you said, knowing better and doing better. Um, and that pattern in my life of kind of always ending up in the same place. And I feel yeah. like um, you tend to be one of the places that I go in the middle of a panic. And like, oh my gosh, everything blew up again. What do I do? And and so it's also become a pattern to remind myself of, of, of what I know that's better. And so I'm wondering, one of the things I feel like you've taught me a lot is has to do with urgency and need and and what we do in those situations. And and so will you just will you talk a little on that? Um yeah, I, the the difference between urgency and need is a it's a big deal in my in my mind. Yeah. And um I, I hate being controlled by the tyranny of the urgent is a phrase that maybe mm-hmm. you've heard. And I think increasingly our society is controlled by, like, yeah. I'm really, really concerned about just the reactivity in our society. I mean, you turn on the news and it sometimes is about covering what happened, but more often it's a competition to see who can be the most reactive to the events of the day. And the more reactive it is, the better well, you know, the better received it oh, is. Yeah. yeah. Social media is is just a series of reacting to reactions, reacting to he's so reactive and you know, what did the president tweet today? Mm-hmm. And what did this politician say about that? And and what happened, you know, at this or that protest and, and what are we outraged about in this moment and then reactions to that. And who's gonna get canceled? You know, yeah, we're gonna cancel, yeah. and that's all of that is intense. I think extreme reactivity, um, and it it feeds it feeds on reactivity. It rewards reactivity. Um, and what I love about what David's doing is he's he's sort of seeing that in his own life, and he's like, I got this yo-yo thing with God where I I run away, and then I'm until I'm desperate or so broken that I get pulled back. Mm-hmm. And then why, like, and, and he's saying, why don't I just, why don't I just stay here? In other words, why don't I just pull out of this reactive cycle, this pattern where I'm controlled by what's urgent? Yeah. Um, and I think he's sick of it. And I think that's why in verse five, he starts talking about his vows and he starts talking about in the next verse, the, the legacy that he wants to, it sounds like he's saying, I want to live a really, really long time. I think what he's actually saying is, I want my legacy to continue to mm-hmm. my children, to my grandchildren, and and so on. And you can feel him sort of pulling out of this, this these intense moments where you just get caught in these cycles. Mm-hmm. And that's urgency versus need. So I, I think of my t- kids. I love having little, like really littles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't ever want to go back there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to go back. 
<laughs> it was great. I miss it, but I will just remember it and not not go back. And one of the reasons why I don't want to go back is because just all the crisis around going to the bathroom, you know, especially when they're like just out of diapers and it's that real iffy situation. And it's like children at that stage, they like, they, they either cannot pee at all or it is an absolute emergency. They have to pee right now. And there's nothing, it's just zero to a hundred instantly. There's nothing in between. Um, and it always happens at the worst, you know, at mm -hmm. well or better, mm -hmm. the worst time, worst place, the busiest place. And, you know, and so you're in some crowded target or whatever, and this kid is losing their mind and you got, and of course the bathroom is as far as it could possibly be. When you're be. in the back, back, back Every, corner. Yeah. 100% of the time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And there, and it's panic, it's tears, it's, there's going to be a puddle. It's uh -huh. now. And I, it's, and so it's reactivity, you mm -hmm. know, and because they feel the sense of urgency. So you grab them and it's all the drama and you run. And I hate that feeling of holding the kid wondering oh, no. is yeah. <laughs> when am I going to get this warm, wet, disgusting <laughs> we reminder yeah. that, that we didn't, we didn't make it, yeah. you know? <laughs> but the one thing to me that's even worse than that is getting to the bathroom and then somehow between, you know, where you were and the promised land that is a public <laughs> restroom, when you, somewhere along the way, the urge that they had to go to the bathroom went away. Yes. And now... They won't. <laughs> they won't do. I won't do. Just. I don't have to. Just anymore. go. Just <laughs> go in there and. Do, yes, you do. And they just won't. Uh -huh. And um, so frustrating to me because the urgency's gone. The need is exactly. Their bladder was full. Their bladder's mm -hmm. still mm -hmm. full. Unless they were lying, in which case I'm going to murder them. Like different, that would be yeah, even worse. Different conversation. But, no, yeah, the yeah. tears, the emergency. No, your uh -huh. bladder is still. Full. Uh -huh. uh, the urge is gone. The need is not gone. And children, bless their adorable hearts, cannot perceive anything short of an alarm. You know, they mm -hmm. can't discern a uh, you know a whisper. It's only the urges. And that is tragically that is how so many Christians approach their faith. It's mm -hmm. just they respond to Jesus. They run to Jesus. They're interested in pursuing the Lord when everything's on fire, mm -hmm. when there's an emergency, when the urge is through the roof. And then they go running into that fallout shelter. They go diving, you know, barrel rolling into Christ as their refuge. They get welcomed in, cared for. And then mm -hmm. when the urge is gone, they're gone because they don't, they fail to recognize the need. And oh, yeah. if, if, if we could just hold on to the recognition of need, um, like you, you, you need Jesus when everything's not on fire. You mm -hmm. need Jesus when you're not desperate. You need Jesus when you're not at the end of your rope. And, but if you can't tell the difference between urgency and need, then off, off you go yet again. So, yeah. Mm. Um, I, I was going through something crazy and I was gonna have, uh, or the situation was coming that um, was gonna be nuts and I was asking for advice uh, for my friend Nick Kessler and he said something that stuck with me for years now. He said, um, he was like, uh, Lindsay, I've learned you can't train a dog in the middle of a dog fight. And it was this great analogy of, of what you're saying of like, um, like we're trying to create vows in the middle of our urgency. That's we're right. trying to create vows in a bomb shelter when our vows are created in a home or, mm -hmm. or just waking up to the idea that, that we're home. And so right. I, I, I wonder moving forward, uh, what does that look like? I mean, it's bananas. The world is nuts. We're in a bomb shelter all the time, socially and uh, all sorts of ways. How, where where do you go from here? 
Yeah, yeah, well. How do we get to verse eight? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think in part the way David is doing it. I mean, he, he's, he's recognizing, first is to recognize the pattern and going, why don't I just stay here always? And then um, you, what we're talking about, the capacity to respond to needs and not just what's urgent. I mean, it's about self-control. It's about, it's about spiritual maturity. Yeah. Um, and you can't, you can't just decide to be spiritually mature. You have to, it's, it's a process. Mm -hmm. And if I could just decide, then I would decide for myself right, and for you and anyone who would allow me, I would decide to be All spiritually mature. Yes. <laughs> but it's, it, it is a process. And so I think even, even when the bullets are flying, in fact, not long ago, we were talking about the 23rd Psalm, this picture mm -hmm. of how he makes a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Mm -hmm. And the image I have for that is, is a, a, you know, down on a foxhole with this glorious meal spread. Right. In yes. the midst of the chaos, there's a place to sit and to, and to fellowship and to, and to be calm. And um, I think, so it's, it's hard to break out of the pattern, but I think, first of all, you do whatever it takes, you move heaven and earth to find places of calm, calm mm -hmm. places of reflection. Know the, you know when you are the most panicked. That's mm -hmm. not the time. You know, anytime somebody goes, all right, that's it. Well, the, you're about to do something stupid. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's it. Okay, insert idiotic thing right after that because yeah. that's when they go, okay, now my emotions have had absolutely all they can handle. And so in reaction to that, I'm going to decide. Mm -hmm. Well, what's the inverse of that? What's the moment when you least feel like going, all right, that's it, mm -hmm. when you're really calm and then start to shape and build out what you what your values dictate your life should look mm -hmm. like. And that, and then that moves toward, has to, toward spiritual maturity. And, and that is a process. And I know this is the most obvious thing. And it's step one. We have all heard it a thousand times. A thousand times is nowhere near enough. Um, daily prayer, daily time in scripture, daily prayer, today, tomorrow, the next day, the mm -hmm. next, the next, the next, mm -hmm. on and on and on. It starts to build a foundation and it is, it is step one for every believer and a scary amount of believers never even take step one. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, I don't want to be negative, but if you're, if you haven't taken step one, I don't think you have any hope, frankly, of getting out of this pattern, this cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you have, if you have taken step one, and these daily rhythms are starting to um, mature you, then you're gonna find the self-control and the capacity to actually live according to your vows and the mental space to actually shape and form those vows. Yeah. So another thing I would suggest, and I know you know about this, um, is a, a rule of life. Mm -hmm. And you, it, there, there's lots of information about it. You're a Google search Google away. It. Yes, but I do have some resources that we'll also put in the notes. Chat. <laughs> um, but a rule of life is a very old idea. It's where it's a systematic way of going through and doing what we're talking about, deciding what your vows are going to be and how you're going to build your life. Um, and so if you've taken step one, where you've got a rhythm of daily prayer and time in scripture, then you can start moving to step two, which is something like a rule of life, where you then to say, all right, I want to do this and not that. Mm -hmm. I want to live this way and not that way. I want to spend this much time at work, this much time with my family. Mm -hmm. This I'm going to go to bed at this time and wake up at this time. I'm going to keep a Sabbath or whatever those, mm -hmm. you know, whatever those things may, may dictate. And um, I, I will say this about the rule of life. 
people hear rule of life and they think, oh, that's a more rules. Right? No, one of my dad's rules of life is to go to the beach every fall. They can be fun rules. That, exactly. They, they don't have restoring to. rules. They, well, actually, that's a it great example. Doesn't have example. to be like. That's a great example of what I was going to say, which is that a rule of life is actually the ultimate flex of your freedom. Yeah. Of saying, I am free in Christ, which means I get to get off of the roller coaster of reactivity, and I get to. I get to exercise my freedom by saying, I want this and not that. I choose mm -hmm. this and not that. I choose to go to the beach every mm -hmm. year or mm -hmm. what, whatever the case may be. And so oddly enough, a rule of life is the ultimate expression yeah. of freedom. Well, yeah. and I feel like, and you would probably say something similar. I feel like for me, it's also vows, rule of life, things like that have, have allowed me clarity when you were talking about reaction and stuff, everything coming at us on the news, social media, mm -hmm. everything that's happening, it allows me clarity to what I actually want to react to. Uh -huh. So when the things of the last few weeks happen, it, it becomes really clear like, no, 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 this warrants a reaction. This mm -hmm. warrants going to battle. This, that's right. I know who I want to be. I know how I want to show up. Right. If you saw the life drained out of George Floyd, over a period of eight minutes yes. and 46 seconds and you didn't feel reactivity, then something's actually wrong. Yes. The point is not to disengage. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. It's not to disengage emotionally. It's to not be overrun by your emotions as a baseline. Mm -hmm. So that, because if you live here all the time, here being the top, you're just, I'm at the peak of all I can handle. Yeah. And then you see the life taken from someone uh, in such a dramatic, you've got, you've got nowhere to go but to break. Right, and yeah. Then, and then to respond in ways that probably aren't wise. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Well, thank you for being with us. Yeah. We love you. Yeah. I love a Miss Springbrook a lot. <laughs> yeah. The end.